Well, I want to welcome you all to another Daily Decade. Or <laughs> welcome as many of you as may be able to hear this. We had a sudden shock take place where we dropped from uh, hundreds of listens per episode to tens of listens per episode. So if you're hearing this, you're one of the few in the crowd. Uh, I'm looking into trying to figure out exactly what happened there, but I ha- have a sneaking suspicion that I may have touched a nerve a few days ago uh, when I talked about obedience and disobedience as regards the various medical mandates that are being handed down uh, across the globe. Um, I know that, uh, you know, any podcast host, you're going to have trouble uh, if you start to push a little bit too far against the grain in one or the other direction. I also have this terrible habit of mentioning that very first group of enemies of God uh, who uh, crucified our Lord and continue to hound Christians uh, throughout the world. And that does uh, rather draw the ire of the eye of Sauron. Uh, so I, I may have, through, my, through these bad habits, uh, drawn the uh, unfortunate attention of the sort of people who get to control uh, how one's RSS feed updates. But rather than be conspiratorial about it, uh, I'm going to look into it and assume it's a technical error uh, or a fault on my part until I until I find otherwise. But uh, if you are hearing this, uh, then know that the Delhi Decade is not going away. I may move off of Anchor depending on what I discover as I look into things. I'll keep everybody up to date. Um, if I do move off, there's a host over at uh, that the uh, uh, the very fine gentlemen that run Exodus Americanus use at uh, nobodyhasthe.biz and I may actually go over to Post or the Fediverse uh, one of those places um, to uh, to host to continue to host and continue to um, get the word out there uh, the Telegram channel is not going anywhere uh, neither is the website those are both going to survive so uh, we'll see what happens but just to give you a heads up I've noticed a problem with the RSS feed I've noticed a problem with the with uh, my uh, listener count, which was very sudden, and uh, we're going to find out what's going on so we can uh, keep this keep this train rolling. Now, <clears throat> having said that, I have uh, another prayer uh, that came in yesterday. A gentleman uh, who is who may be a listener, but he's a friend of a listener, and uh, he's in quite a bit of trouble. It's looking like he's getting very close to losing his job. Uh, it's unclear to me exactly what the circumstances are, uh, but it is clear that it's through no fault of his own. Um, it may be one of these mandates. It may be uh, simply downsizing as the economy continues to implode. Uh, so it's a number of different things, but it puts him and his family in a very, very bad position. So I want to pray for him. His name is C.M. And, uh, and pray for his family as well. And if you have any intentions... <clears throat> Excuse me there. If you have any intentions, of any prayer requests at all, great or small, uh, petty or great, uh, dire or general, you can send those in to requests at protonmail.com. That's Decade, D-E-C-A-D-E, requests in the plural, at protonmail.com. And I will be delighted to pray for you and to bring your prayers to a wide audience as much as I have access to that audience and get as many people praying for you as I possibly can. For right now, let's go ahead and get our rosaries out. I, of course, stupidly put my rosary in my pants pocket today rather than my shirt pocket, so I've got a fish for it here. Here we go. 
Let's get our rosaries out, put ourselves in the presence of God, and pray for CM, uh, for his uh, current situation and the uh, well-being and financial solvency of his family. Today is a Wednesday, so we will pray in Latin. In nomine Patris, et Fidi, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater Noster, qui es in Ceris, sanctificator nomen Tuum, adveniat regnum Tuum. Fiat voluntas Tua, sicur in Cielo et in Terra. Panam Nostrum quotidianam da nobis odie, et dimiti nobis debita Nostra, sicur et nos dimitimus debitoribus Nostris. Et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amano. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, Ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, Ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto, sicur erat in principio et nunc et semper et saecula saeculorum. Amen. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordia, 
vita dulcedo et spes nostre, salve. A te clamamus, exulis filia evi, a te suspiramus, tumentes et flentes, in hac lac romarum, vale. Ea ergo, advocata nostra, illos tuus misericordes oculus ad nos converte, et iesum beatum fructum ventris tui, nobis postuc exilium ostende. O clemens, o pia, dulce virgo Maria. Ora per nobis, sancta de genetrix, ut digni officiamur permissionibus Christi. Oremus. Pour forth we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ, thy Son, was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Joseph, patron of workers, we humbly approach thee and beg thy intercession on behalf of the servant of God, C.M., and of his family for the precarity of their situation. That if it is the will of God that some new state be in his future, that this state be settled in too quickly, and that he move from one to the other with minimal suffering, and that all of his suffering and that of his family should be to the glorification of God. But that, if possible, this difficulty should be spared him, and that his situation should be maintained, and he continue to be able to support and maintain his family as his vocation as a husband and a father demand. Saint Joseph, who was a husband to the most perfect creature, and a father, a foster father to God himself in the flesh, look with compassion upon this husband and father, that he might fulfill his duties as well as thou didst fulfill thine. And this we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, who livest and reignest with God the Father and the Holy Ghost, one God, world without end. Amen. For all of us as we struggle to fulfill the responsibilities of our states in life, Saint Michael the Archangel defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Sacritissimum Coriezo, miserere nobis. Sacritissimum Coriezo, miserere nobis. Sacritissimum Coriezo, adveniat regnum tuum. In nomine Pacis, Fidiot, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Well, before I logged in this morning and looked at the numbers, uh, I had something... Uh, I had a couple of different ideas planned for what to reflect on today. I try not to be too reactionary and critical, uh, and I've, I've heard, you know, you follow the, the news, you hear things here and there, and they get your blood up and you want to react to them. And it's usually never a good idea, because you react in the moment, you react in, in, heat, in the heat of the moment, and a hot temper is one that generally does not produce any kind of persuasive results, uh, and, or prayerful ones for that matter. Even if that hot temper has flared in defense of the holy, uh, righteous anger is a thing, and we are called to have righteous anger on behalf of our God when irreverence is committed, 
and blasphemy committed, not because he needs our help or that he can't defend himself, but it manifests our love for him, as all righteous anger is ultimately a manifestation. Actually, let me rewind there. All anger of any kind is a manifestation of attachment and love. You can be angry because you love yourself too much. You are filled with self-love, with a lesser love. You can be angry because you are denied things, because you love yourself too much. And what you are angered by and how you react with anger generally is fairly telling about what you value and what you love in your life. And if you have the love of God in you or not based on the sorts of things that really get you fired up. If you hear someone taking the name of the Lord in vain, and you shrug that off, but you know, Wendy's is out of the Big Burger, so you have to get the son of Baconator instead, and you get really infuriated about that, well, I think we can all safely say that your priorities are a bit out of whack. Uh, the same thing is true of uh, things around your family. If you find yourself getting more angry with those that are closest to you, that says something about exactly the degree of charity that you have for those that have been placed in your charge by God and how well you are shouldering the burden of those around you. Those around us, there's a reason why Sartre said that hell is other people. He he was wrong because he was a godless communist, but uh, nevertheless, he... He, he touched upon something there. Other people are a burden. And you can bear that burden joyfully and ignore the things that make them a burden, which is a good and holy thing to do. You can choose not to lift that burden by never getting close to anybody, but being social with everyone, which some people do, and they look like they're very they're socialites. But the reality is, is they maintain quite a bit of distance between themselves and those around them that could be a burden. Uh, or you could bear that burden uh, poorly, like Sartre, and regard hell as other people. And no doubt Sartre is indeed in hell, as he was in life. But our love for God, charity, this manifestation of the love of God, does provoke in us, to some degree or another, a certain righteous anger whenever we see something evil or blasphemous or irreligious and that's righteous it's good it is good to be angry on behalf of our God when he is insulted uh, and it is good to also at the same time be, be piteous be merciful be compassionate towards those who insult him because while we have no real power to do anything to them, they are in the hands of God. And while we don't necessarily accept all the theology of, uh, oh, what's his name? Jonathan Edwards, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Uh, while we don't accept all of the theology there, what a terrible thing it would be to be a sinner in the hands of an angry God. For God is angered in a divine way by all evil and all sin, because in sin and in evil is the absence of his being. 
and he is present wherever there is good and, and people are drawn to him. His desire, of course, is that all should be saved. All can't be saved. Uh, and that's the better thing. Having an opportunity to be damned and being saved makes that salvation all the better. St. Thomas Aquinas talks about this. Uh, that's part of the reason why we have free choice of will. St. Augustine talks about it. He has, a, he has a little treatise called on free choice of will. The idea that we have freedom of the will is what makes our situation superior to if we were, say, automatons. That's what makes us superior to animals. All these people that run around saying animals go to heaven. What a horrible thing to say. As if you can get to heaven without any effort at all. A dog doesn't put any effort to go to heaven. He can't. He doesn't have the rational mind to do so. What a terrible reduction of the kingdom of God to some sort of participation trophy. And these sorts of things, untruths, uh, half-truths, blasphemous sayings, uh, false teachings, heresies, all these things, should provoke anger in us. But they should be a cool anger, because that's the kind of anger that God experiences. God is not impulsive in his anger. Jesus Christ was angry, deeply, deeply angry, at the way in which the temple of God had been profaned by the usurers who had set up shop in it. And so many, I, I often wonder how he would feel about some of the churches that have set up gift shops inside of them. I suppose that, you know, you need some way to support the church uh, on, on the one hand, but uh, I've seen some that are, um, well, there are some that are subtlers, subtler than others, we'll put it that way. And the subtle ones are far less offensive. But there is something in one that um, when you see a, uh, uh, a church gift shop, there's something in you that sort of bristles a bit at it to, if it appears in a certain way, you know. There's, there's an appropriate way to do that. Some of that is this sort of inborn quality that we have to detect when things are a bit off. It's the... I, I hate. I'm reluctant to call it the divine within us, but there's something of that, something of a divine, something of an instinct, you know. Well, our Lord didn't need the instinct. He's of course God. He looked at the way that the temple was being abused, and the temple really was being profaned. It was not simply the sale of things that were related to the temple. There was usury going on in there, which is a sin. Lending an interest is a sin. Uh, there was prostitution, there was exchange of stolen goods, there was uh, various forms of uh, illicit transactions of all kinds that were taking place in the, uh, in the um, it's not the hall of the Gentiles, what's it called? The courtyard of the Gentiles, which was a place where people who were not of the Hebrew people could come in and worship the one true God if they had found him, if they had been preordained by God, chosen by him, to have knowledge of him. And we know that there are several people like this in scriptures. Uh, Cornelius the Centurion comes to mind, a man who was a Gentile and nevertheless recognized the true God and had his household worship them, worship him, uh, had them worship him. There we go. And the hall of the Gentiles was so taken up with all these transactions, all these booths and for trading and selling and buying and whatnot, that it prevented 
the nations from coming to the temple of God, and therefore was a direct rejection of the really the sole purpose for the Hebrew people's continued existence, because there was no other reason for them to continue to exist, which was to be a light to the nations. And so our Lord Christ, not in hot anger, we sometimes get this idea that he just went off and started beating people, but uh, in the scripture it's made very clear that he took time to weave a, uh, a, a whip of cords. Now whether he was using reeds or whether he was using wet leather or whatever material he used to form this whip, this was a long process that he would have had to engage in in order to create this thing, especially if he wanted it to be effective. And so you're looking at a job of about, oh, three, maybe four hours of our Lord sitting there in his human form with his hands, his carpenter's hands, slowly and very deliberately and delicately weaving together this instrument of punishment. So that by the time he entered the temple, he was completely cool-headed. And in fact, because our Lord would not have had the explosion of human passion that so many of us experience because of original sin, he was cool-headed throughout the entire thing. I read a post, I saw something online about this, and it, it, you have to think about how unsettling that must have been to uh, the apostles, and really how unsettling divine anger is to human beings, because it is passion, it is, it's dispassionate. There is Christ, as happy as can be, uh, you know, really could not have possibly seen a whole lot of change to his countenance sitting there very slowly and deliberately weaving together what is clearly an instrument of, um, well, I mean, an instrument like what the Romans used for torture. I mean, he himself received uh, lashes. So, and all the apostles would have recognized this. And it must have been deeply unsettling, as it always is whenever you see any kind of divine anger. It's always unsettling. As it should be, because it shows that something in creation is so perverse and out of place that it, de it demands correction. Sins that cry out to heaven, for example, are disgusting, but they're also unsettling. There's something that just squirms in them. Uh, it's part of the reason why uh, when you, a normal man, uh, when he sees two men doing something the two men should not be doing together, he reacts the same way as if he saw maggots in a corpse. This has been, this has been measured. And the reason for that is because there's an innate disgust at the perversity of creation being so uh, abused. St. Catherine of Siena says that the demons who induce people to engage in these heinous acts uh, flee after the induction is done because they, they're divine the, the divine nature that is at the heart of their angelic being cannot tolerate seeing the creation of God so perverse, even though they themselves are causing the perversity. There is this instinct towards righteous anger. And our Lord, cool-headed, went in there and beat those usurers and kicked them out of the temple and drove them out with blows and uh, with, I'm sure, very strong words. But we only have, this is we only have his citation of scripture, but I, I have to imagine that uh, a, a short line like that 
would have only taken up a little bit of what he was doing. He had to clear the entire courtyard, and it's quite a large space if you ever look at the model. That's righteous anger. That's divine anger. That is the kind of anger that you know when you feel it that you are correctly angry, that it comes from a place of love. It's not hot and sudden in the way that a sort of a selfish temper might flare. And this is the kind of anger that we should be cultivating. This is an element of that perfect hatred that we are supposed to have as Christians. It's in the, in the Psalms. I, hate, I have hated them with perfect hatred. I have counted them among mine enemies. That perfect hatred is divine hatred. People say God cannot hate. Of course God hates. Hatred is part of his very being because love is at the heart of his very being. And that which loves cannot help but hate with a perfect hatred. That which seeks the good cannot help but abhor the evil. You cannot place these things on an equal playing field. That's what uh, religious liberty does. That's why it's, that's why it's an error. That's why it's a heresy. You cannot place evil on level with good. It's simply impossible. We resist Satan. We resist evil because we love the good. And resistance requires some degree of interior violence in ourselves. That's why, say, that's why uh, Bishop Sheen talks about the uh, the one thing that Christianity is missing is violence. The kingdom of God requires violence and only the violent shall inherit it because we have to do violence unto ourselves in order to conquer the evil that is in us. This is the, the inner crusade, the greater crusade that we've talked about here before. This is what St. Paul talks about when he says that he must bring the body into subjection. There's hatred there. There's anger, righteous anger. We have to be cold and calculating to carve out the cancer of satanic influence in our lives, the diabolical, and be deliberate about it and constant. And when we do that, we draw closer to God. And because we are, in all aspects of our lives, imitating the divine in our love, in our hate, in our anger, in our joy, all of it draws us nearer to God, if we're doing it right. And so my prayer today, since we, apparently I got a talk out of that, I, can't, I didn't realize I was going to, but it's given me a good prayer, which is that all of us will cultivate in ourselves this cool and righteous anger, this perfect hatred that pushes out all other hatreds, and all lesser angers, so that we might react in this way to the offenses against the Almighty alone, distancing ourselves from all of our selfish angers, all of our selfish hatreds, and all of our selfish loves as well, fully embrace the divine love, and in so doing, fully embrace the divine himself. For our God is love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.